Hello and welcome to A Cast of Entrepreneurs, brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Forum. I'm Elaine Stroud, Chief Executive of the Entrepreneurs Forum, and together with Sally Cowling, our Head of Marketing, we've been talking to entrepreneurs from all over the Northeast about what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. We're getting the real insight into their lives and businesses. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Cast of Entrepreneurs. We are in for a treat this morning. We've got three fantastic cast members who I'd like to introduce to you now. First up, we have Dale Smith from the SDDE Group. Good morning, Dale. Hi, thanks for having me, Lynn. And we have Bethany Ainsley from Optimi. Good morning, Bethany. Morning, Elaine. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I'm glad you're here. And finally, last but not least, we have the fantastic John Duns from Northeast Times. That's very kind of you. Uh, welcome. I know we like to make our guests feel very welcome as we get started. And what we're going to do is we're going to start by going back in time, which is what we do with all our guests, because we like to understand the motivations that got you started into your current roles. So I'm going to start with Dale. And I do know a little bit about your history and yeah. um, because we've met a number of times. But when you were back in your youth, I don't know that you had dreams of owning your own business. You were interested in becoming a footballer, yeah, from what totally, I understand. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So my uh, my dream was to be a, to be a sportsman, really. So I started out with with football. So I played football for Middlesbrough from being eight to to fourteen. Broke my leg, then ended up playing golf. So yeah, junior career and and teenage years were spent dreaming of being a sportsman or an athlete. So business wasn't on the radar at that point in time. Was it in the radio at all? Or did you have any influences around you at that time where you thought maybe as a backup, I should think about having a career in business? Yeah, certainly. I think I'd always, when I went to uni in America, and I, I kind of got hooked on the business side of things. So studied finance and marketing, which is a bit of an interesting mix, I suppose. But that kind of made me think there's more more to it than than just sports, I guess. But my dad, just before I went to uni, had started investing in buy-to-let properties. And I think I started to really enjoy the property side of things. I think anyone that's involved in property is an element of entrepreneurial spirit in that. So I think probably my mid-teenagers is when I started to think about that a little bit, but not specifically thinking oh, I really want to have my own business more just the general idea of, of business and there's maybe you know other things out there yes but you were probably dreaming of a sports career yeah, at that probably. time yeah. weren't you yeah. um, because yeah. for those of you who don't know Dale you ended up being quite successful in your sporting career particularly in golf yeah so I went to America did a golf scholarship played for England between 16 and 22 and then after I finished uni in America graduated fell out a bit fell out all over the game a little bit and since just me and John we're chatting the other day and for me golf wasn't the be all and end all for me and I think for a lot of people who are going down the athlete route it, it needs to be a be all and end all you there can't be a plan b so to speak for me there was always something else there so so yeah I ended up going into the motor industry and and then obviously into you know becoming an entrepreneur a few years a few years down the line. Is there anything you learned from your time playing football and golf that has helped you further down the line um, massively i think sports and business as a you know sports as a breeding ground into business i think is is a huge benefit if you've if you've had that experience just around you know teams camaraderie you know leadership certainly i think for me in terms of the golf side of things our our regime in the us in uni was massive in terms of scheduling you know monday wednesday friday we had practice on the morning you had to be there for 7 a.m it was a half an hour drive away so you're up pre 6am three days a week Tuesday Thursday workouts in the morning at 6am then to school golf in the afternoon so it was pretty regimented so in terms of scheduling and, and kind of being on it it certainly it's, helps now it certainly sounds like there was a very strong work ethic yeah totally put into you from yeah, that time yeah. in America yeah yeah absolutely so I guess a lot lots of learnings from that point of view right across the spectrum and lots of things I suppose skills etc i would deploy on a, a daily basis now probably a lot of those are rooted in that that sporting background i would say yeah and i guess when you when you're in that arena certainly in golf you've cut you've got to be really resilient yeah and yeah. you know face face your losses and get up the next day and, and play again yeah and i guess that's something maybe that as an entrepreneur have you it, is that something that you recognize in yourself yeah i mean it'd be interesting in terms of what bethany and john think on that but the entrepreneurship can be lonely certainly and actually golf is a very lonely sport because you're effectively playing against yourself you get off to a bad start that the mental challenge of trying to come back from that certainly feels like the same thing and i'm sure you've all had days where you think well you know is it all worth it and is it going to work out and whatever else and you've got to pick yourself back up and 
golf is the epitome of exactly that as well. Yeah. And Bethany, for you, you've also came from an active background. Yeah. Yeah. So as a dancer, I think my journey started at quite a young age, really. So at the age of 16, I followed the I followed my classmates and went on to, to sixth form to study subjects that I thought would help me get a really good career. So things like maths, physics, biology, which had an element of interest. But I wouldn't say it was an area that I was overly passionate about. At that time, I, I managed to get a job at the beautiful Durham Castle, but that, to be honest, was a complete disaster. So my first night, I ended up with soup on me, a burn on my arm and a P45 in the post. <laughs> it was during that time that I just realised that I wasn't quite on the right track. I just sort of reflected back on when I felt happiest, what I was really passionate about and, and what I was actually quite good at as well. And, and I came back to actually the creative industries and in particular dance. And I, I, I shifted into another another course. I quickly picked up teaching work, which was sort of four times what my career would be in, in waitressing. And that sort of led me on to the path that I am now. So um, I went on to do a degree in contemporary dance and left with the first class honours degree, did some TV work, motion capture and Bollywood film. So all of this work came about and the best thing about it was it just didn't feel like work. It was just an absolute passion. And I think that is basically what's led me into business as well. So you were quite lucky, really, in that you spotted that sort of dissatisfaction with what you were doing quite yeah. early on and changed changed path because yeah. quite a few people leave it until they're a bit older and then yeah. they recognise. Uh-huh. So you, you've been lucky to find your passion yeah, very have, early on. Yeah, I have found that. And when I've sort of shared that with other people, they've said similar things. Um, so I do think I've been quite fortunate. And then and I think with dance as well, and you'll probably find this for sport, you become very aware of your body and, and how it reacts to certain things. So things like if you're stressed or you're unhappy or anything like that, you pick it up within your, your body. There's sort of mm-hmm. physical signs that you can spot as well. So I think that's definitely helped me along the way as well. And John, did you have a passion for the work you were doing now in print and advertising when you were younger? Uh, I would say I was obsessed with newspapers and reading from a very early age. My father was a real news hound. We used to get four newspapers on a Sunday, would you believe? Mm-hmm. And I remember reading when I was very young. I didn't understand all of them. And they were as diverse as The Observer and The Sunday Express. So it was quite a mix, to say the least. And I read a lot. My dad, again, was a big influence on me. He would buy me books and he didn't count those presents. So we'd come back from business trips and give me books. So I was very keen on reading, very keen on media from a, an early age. And I think... I'm so pleased I've, I've ended up in that world because I've left it for and come back to it. So, uh, yeah, very much media obsessed and watch from the news to films to history stuff. I never stop reading, still read a lot now. And when you were reading the Sunday magazines, did you ever think I could set up a business producing my own magazines and that's going to be my path? No, I didn't. But it did make me want to get into that industry, which I did I eventually do. I think... And we were chatting about this before to, earlier today, which is entrepreneurship. Since the school I went to wasn't discussed or talked about. It was very much more on getting a professional career. And my father, who had his own business, was very keen on me having a professional career because he found running, as we all know, running his own business really hard and often insecure. And he wanted the, his suggestion, which didn't really work, was uh, that I should do law because it's a very safe, secure, long-term career. So I didn't think I could do that. It's quite interesting, isn't it, the influence of parents or schools as to your final career path. Bethany, for you, you've ended up going into dance. Was there anyone in your schooling days who said, I can see you running this type of business in the future? Did you have role models around you? There were certain things that probably happened organically. So I remember teaching in school so I would help with GCSE dance and things like that so that teaching element came about quite quickly but similarly there wasn't an awful lot around entrepreneurship or setting up a business that didn't really come into my mind at that point it wasn't until towards the end of university that I was looking into local statistics and knowing that the success that I'd had from embarking upon that journey in terms of there was definitely a, a demand. I started to identify a need. It was when the NHS was moving more towards prevention over cure. And we all know that physical activity can help combat a lot of the the illnesses and diseases that we have today. So a lot of local stats were talking about some of the issues around life expectancy being lower than the national average, but also how physical activity levels were also significantly lower. So there's clearly a gap. And it was at that point I just thought there's, there's something that I can do. And it wasn't even 
right now I need to make a business and do a business plan and all these sort of things that you'd probably not think strategically it was just like I've got a service I know that it's gonna make a difference and there's demand for it just crack on. So were you actually in a job when you decided you were gonna go out and do your own thing? No I did um, I did that pretty well six months from graduating I started to set up the company. Pretty brave move isn't it when you've just graduated to set up your own your own business when I look back but at the time I was just like I, if it, six months then feels like a long time like I felt like I'd done loads and I was like okay that's this is the next part and, but yeah looking back it was it is quite a short space of time and do you have any regrets about what what you've done over those in that time is there another path that you wish you'd followed or, or are you happy with the choice you made yeah I'm, I'm happy with the choice I've made because it's led me to go on to do other things so I ha- since then I have set up other businesses the most recent one is a tech business so although I was in dance I've moved into tech which people think well that's quite a transition but it's still around health and well-being behavior change and helping people so there's definitely sort of different areas that follow through each business and I think without having that journey I wouldn't have learned about business any other way so yeah I'm satisfied with the journey that I took (laughs) and so you're learning about the business you learn from the best in the region so tell us about that yeah so my corporate career so when I came back from the US I went into actually worked for Virtue Motors PLC first of all under Robert Forrester set Robert set up so a graduate program so I was the first person on that the issue I had with that was I didn't feel like I was progressing quickly enough so I was there for about eight or nine months my family background's automotive I said I would never go into automotive ended up going into it but I just felt like I wasn't progressing quickly enough and ended up meeting Peter Vardy, son of Sir Peter Vardy, an England game with Vauxhall actually, saying about nine months in, in my time of coming back. And Peter offered me an opportunity to go up to, to Glasgow, work in his business as a marketing executive. And obviously my passion really has always been marketing, say finance and marketing at uni. So I took that opportunity and I had a seven yearish career, I think with Peter from being a marketing exec, working my way up to commercial director, uh, when I left, I got my first directorship when I was 25. So I progressed quickly there, but you know, Peter took me under his wing and I learned you know, so much in terms of what I adopted our business now from Peter during that time, you know, so, so much. And again, there's so many things that when you're an employee or a colleague in a business that you have perhaps don't understand, you know, I, I had lots of times where I quite couldn't understand what Peter's perspective was on it or get the full understanding of why he viewed it that way or why he was feeling that way about something. But until you've got your own business, then those things, you know, so many times now I think, right, okay, I understand why he reacted that way to that or why he viewed it that way, where at the time as a colleague, you wouldn't have viewed it that way. So certainly for me, that kind of seven year corporate period, but with a business that was fast paced, growing, you know, gave me a lot of responsibility early on, uh, certainly served, served me well. Definitely. And then when you were going back to when you were working for Virtue Mm. in that graduate scheme, obviously it was the first graduate scheme that they ran. There must have been other graduates on that programme with you. Did you feel like a bit of a fish out of water when you were frustrated with the pace and others were probably quite enjoying the speed that the programme was developing? Yeah, there was two two of us that came on at the the same time. And I guess so, yeah, because you're going around the departments. I remember being working in a service department and you know I wanted they at the time I wanted to be on the phone speaking to customers where we were more back office doing admin stuff so I wanted to like let me free yeah, yeah, totally have, have more of an impact and, and kind of be involved more on the sales fronts and engaging with customers because that's where you that's where my passion is ultimately so it's kind of you had that feeling of them not wanting to let you lose because they probably didn't trust you to a certain degree but feeling like well you know I feel like I've got the skill set so so let me do it so yeah it was uh can be frustrating. I guess it's that feeling of, to an element, being held back. But that's where, from an entrepreneurial point of view, that doesn't happen, does it? You can get on and do what you want to do. Yeah, and I imagine they've learned a lot from those early days yeah, yeah, of that totally. scheme as well in terms yeah. of pushing people on. Yeah. So you probably didn't know how quickly to push on their yeah. graduates. Yeah. So what prompted you to to move from there and, and set up your own business, Dale? I guess with I reached a point with with Vardy's where I was commercial director. Next step for me, realistically, there would have been the managing director role. But Peter, the way Peter runs that business, he is a very detailed operator, and Peter's always going to run that business the way Peter wants to run it. So again, for me, where you're a person who wants an element of you know creativity and, and to be able to do things your own way, 
had reached a point where I felt like that wasn't going to be possible, even though I've moved on to the next the next step in that. It probably wasn't going to truly fulfill what I felt like I could fulfill. I mean, that's where we kind of kind of came what felt like a natural end at the, at the point in time it probably didn't from from both our sides but pete and i spend you know pete is a good mentor of mine still now as well but it was just that element of needing that freedom to kind of express and do your own do your own thing really so dale and bethany you were both quite young when you set up your own businesses for the first time john you set up your own business slightly later in your career well, having had a longer corporate to career say that, and obviously to, to be fair that it's it was back kind of by accident because in terms of northeast times the, the kind of the key person this is pete mallon who's my business partner who came to me with the idea for northeast times and what excited me about it as a potential investor was he said, I want to produce the best business magazine in the country that's regional. And he presented the visual ideas, which were amazing. And I could see the gap in the market because I was then business development director of Brindolf. And we used to use other media. Northeast Times had existed as a brand, but had fallen out the market. I got so excited by this. For the first time in my life, I invested in something, i.e. Peter's project. But then a year later, I left Brindolf and joined in. So I've become an entrepreneur by accident, but I would say I've always been entrepreneurial. So going back to my start, when I started the newspapers at 21, Thompson Newspapers, which was a regional publishing group, very good training in sales, in presentation skills, in management. But ultimately, when I had my training, I was given a car and I was told to go out into Northumberland and find business. So I had a small client base. And that meant from an early age, I, I was able, I would say, to find something out there from nothing. And I think if, and that's serving as well in terms of running a business, which is we have to find business from nowhere sometimes, and you have to look hard for it and you have to be very, very resilient. So I can remember times of my very old fashioned company car sat in an industrial estate in pouring rain near Bly thinking, what on earth am I doing here? can I be bothered to do this? Then you literally would knock on a door and sometimes somebody would say, yeah, I'll see you. And they would give you business and then you'd be re-motivated again. But that experience has stood me in very good stead. But yeah, so even though I'm much older than uh, these two, I'm, I'm a young entrepreneur in that sense. <laughs> you are. And so I'm quite interested. Dale, you talked about this a little bit earlier, mm. the difference between working for someone else and suddenly having that responsibility for yourself. For you, John, what is different about being the owner and driving that business to the career that you had before? I think freedom is the obvious word to say. And luckily, you know, Pete and I share the same, very much the same vision for this business, and that's very important. The biggest frustration, I would say, in my corporate career, where I started with newspapers, which I absolutely loved, the worst thing is seeing things that are going to fail, and you know they're going to fail, but you're not in a position to stop them failing. And I've, I've worked in three industries in my there are sectors. I've worked in publishing, I've worked in law as a marketing director, and worked in wealth management. And in those businesses, once things start looking inward, because people are worried about their position, they go backwards. And I've seen that happen. And it's the frustration of thinking, if people would just listen to me, this would be fine. And what I do remember, and particularly in newspapers, and this was kind of the 90s, it was really bad to be seen as negative. So if you put your hand up and said, I don't think it's going to work, oh, they're negative, this person. And what would then happen is people would just let, watch things fail. I can't afford, and Pete can't afford to watch things fail because it's ours, and that's the danger. And what I would say, the summary of this is, if you've got your own business, you've got to have people who are gonna go on that journey with you and share the same vision of values. And it's hard to make, and that's back down to recruiting the right people. But I've seen people fail on purpose to annoy their bosses. Yeah, we don't need that in our lives, do we? <laughs> we don't need that. Um, one of the things that just resonated me with, with what you just said there, you said it's, it's hard. It's hard being a business owner. It's difficult, but we kind of love it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what are the elements of that? Yes, it's hard, but what brings you the most joy, Bethany? I think for me, it's just seeing the impact, like the different, because all the businesses that I've set up is, is all around helping people and providing a service that makes a difference. So it's hearing the impact of what, what that's actually doing, whether that's to an individual or to a business and just being like a big tick in the box. Like, yes, we've done it. <laughs> I know you can't see listeners, but Bethany has got the biggest smile yeah. on her face. So she's obviously thinking about yeah. some of the case studies and the yeah. examples of people mm -hmm. that she's touched. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And for you, Dale, what brings you the most joy? Uh, I think it's purpose, isn't it? Ultimately, I think I think that's the the key thing for me, and I think that that varies from you know we've got over three hundred and fifty employees in the business, so for those guys providing opportunities for you know development and providing for families, etc., through to having a community impact, through to problem solving, the biggest biggest thing for me on a daily basis, I like I like problems and say to the guys all the time, like I want to know what the problem is so I can help you find the solution, because that for me is where I get the the biggest amount of kind of joy out of the job, whether that is actually fixing what is a problem or whether it's coming up with a new solution for for something that doesn't already exist. So I suppose there's, there's an element of game in it as well. Uh, to a certain I think degree. that's quite common, isn't it? Entrepreneurs quite yeah. like a bit of a challenge yeah, totally. and some problems to fix. Yeah. We like fixing yeah, things and yeah. get satisfaction yeah. from that. Yeah. And how how about the responsibility? You mentioned sort of being responsible for for the people who who work for you. How, how does that feel? It's probably not a point I really dwell on. Definitely, definitely not. So I wouldn't say that I feel you know pressure from having that responsibility. I quite like that responsibility because it makes you feel like well you know i can have a positive impact on on these people don't get me wrong they'll be tight from times you think well you know if it doesn't work or what have you then what impact does that have on them but i would said 99 percent of the time it's a i see it as a a real positive positive. thing ultimately yeah so it ultimately gives us the the opportunity to impact those people and and ultimately give them the opportunities to improve their lives give them greater purpose i think it comes back down for me no matter whether you're the, the leader or the person on, on the ground, it's back to have they actually got purpose because ultimately that's what makes us all tick, whether entrepreneurs or just, you know, a general member of the public really. It's what it's about. Yeah. And for you, John, what's what's your purpose? What what gets you out of bed in the morning? I this sounds a bit grand, forgive me. It's it's making a difference to the business community of the Northeast. Shouting about the Northeast, all of the Northeast, from Saltburn <laughs> up to Bambra to across to Concert. Because I, you know, I'm born and bred in this region. My family have been here forever, and I believe in it. I think that still there are lots of misconceptions about how good people are here. So it really excites me when we pick up a good story about a really successful business. Some of our cover stories have been, uh, I think, amazing. So, for example, you know, we did a story with Leo Perlman, who started yeah, Northeast uh, Film Studios in Sunderland. You know, we've done, we're doing a next magazine is Arnab Basu, great story, Chromec and Sedgefield. So it's it's seeing those stories and then people talking about them. That really gets me out of bed in the morning thinking, well, we've got a good story. Also, commercially, when we get clients who spend money with us on marketing is when they say, and somehow, and it'd be wrong to name them, but John, thanks so much. It's made a difference. People have seen what we've been doing and they've seen it in all these times online and print. So that's what excites me. It's, make, I suppose, it's making a difference. Do you think there's a shift these days between people setting up businesses to make money as their prime goal or people setting up businesses for a purpose and to see the impact of what they're doing on others? So there's a good question mm. for you. <laughs> I think there's got to be a bit of, bearing in mind that we're in a cost of living crisis, there's got to be a bit of people, like people are wanting to earn, or needing to earn more money. So I think there's, there's got to be people who are trying to find ways to do that. And if they can't do it through their current job, then entrepreneurship or setting up a business could be an alternative method. Can't be the money that gets you going. I don't think. It has to be the idea and the excitement of making a difference. Because I love publishing. But if you said, John, would you set up a, a cup making company? I couldn't do it. I, so you have to have that passion that, that really excites you. Mm-hmm. And I know what it's like to be bored in work and it's they're very, very long days. So that, that's just my view. You have to have that passion for your particular business idea. I think it's the passion that gets you through the obstacles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And and how do you disseminate that passion throughout your your business? Because obviously, as the owner of the business, you're really passionate about what you do. How do you get your employees to be as passionate as you are? It's a key question. Isn't it? That's the the, uh, the key question, I suppose. I think it, it comes down to communication. I think that is probably the biggest challenge we all have as leaders is taking everybody on the journey. And inevitably, you're going to end up with people that don't come along on that, that journey or aren't quite right. I think you're speaking from a personal point of view. I write an email out on a Sunday night that goes out to the entire colleague base just with business updates, recognition of you know people who performed well in the week. So really trying to make sure that as we continue to grow, there is a channel of consistent communication of what's going on so people are, you know, aware of it. I think, you know, we're a fast-growing business, so there's quite a, a large propensity for 
for to end up with a gap between you know myself and the senior team and the people on the ground as we continue to grow so but i think that challenge is how do we continue to over communicate communication the business in general is probably the number one biggest challenge but is the key to making sure everyone continues to to go on that journey really did you take lessons from the motor industry when you were working for large companies about how they communicated has that influenced your style today yeah totally we touched on on peter earlier peter Vardy. so you know peter's thing was always same as that so weekly t-mail would go out with an update on the business so i've completely replicated that in terms of what we do in our business and the same things of you know all of our heads of business yeah, come out and come out once a month get together and we do kind of a, a summary and overview of updates in each of those businesses how they can help one another a lot of those businesses interact with one another you know senior team we get to we do a retreat on a quarterly basis so it's little elements of this that ultimately have come from you know my, my corporate background and just putting our own spin on them because i think that is the one thing when you look at the larger corporates to a certain degree they, they may be on one scale too much of that stuff so it's finding the right balance but i think again in smaller businesses, there's, you know, you maybe don't do enough of that or not enough early. So I think it's finding that balance. And I'm a big believer of taking what's good in other businesses, nicking them and just putting your own spin on them, really, and making them work for you. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And in yeah, fact, totally. it's a very good way of yeah. um, getting a head start, yeah. isn't yeah. it? From a cultural point of view, we've talked a lot to lots of people about their company values and how they instill those across the business, which is what you've sort of alluded to. Bethany, from your point of view, do you have strong company values? And how do you disseminate um, yeah, so values are really important purely because of, well, the work that we do anyway, but ensuring that that's installed within the business through the business activity, programs that we create and the messages that we send out as well. So with the work that we do with, within Optimi, for example, so we help companies with their employee mental health and well-being and there's certain factors within our service that's really, really important to ensure that we get the best possible service and we need that to, those messages to be spread not only from ourselves, but from the, the businesses that we work with. So things like confidentiality around employee mental health and wellbeing. So we can't be shouting these things from the rooftops if our clients aren't doing the same thing. So the values go way beyond just like what the, sort of like this, the senior leadership team say it needs to go right, right throughout the business and all of our clients as well. Interesting. John, you mentioned earlier that you've got a business partner. How important do you think that relationship is could could you have done this on your own well no and it was, it was pete's idea in the first place so no i couldn't do it. i think what is good is we complement each other so obviously i've got a background in management got a background working in the media pete's also worked in the media and is a designer so that's really really helpful because i would say that the design look and figure of our magazine in print and online is exceptional and that's where i signed up to, and that's pete you know, and he had training in design, was very interested in, he did a course in Newcastle College. He spent time at the uh, in London and the New York Times looking at the way they do things. So, yeah, it's, it's we sort of complement each other, I would say. And in terms of su- supporting each other, is it is it Pete that you would turn to or do you do you look outside of, uh, no, of would, the organisation? In the first instance, I would say outside, I've got, Influences from the past, for want of a better way of putting it. So the two biggest influences on my business career were my father, who was very supportive, even though I didn't follow his legal suggestion, but he was always very, very supportive. And I had a manager in newspapers who was exceptional. I've never met anybody like him before or since, a guy called John McManus, who, strange like me, had tried to do law first of all, ended up at the world of newspapers. He was very creative, but he was also very nurturing, but he was firm as well, because there were times when I would get a bit carried away in the sort of mid-twenties and he just sort of rein me back in a bit. And he was, it sounds a very slightly odd thing to say, he was ahead of his time in terms of values and thinking about what you're doing the right thing. This is the 90s, he was way ahead. I still meet up with him now. And he, would you believe he left uh, the world of newspapers and a management position, commercial management position, to become a vicar. And I know he's been a great vicar because he's very, very good with people. So those are my two big influences that I, I kind of carry around with me. And how about for you, Bethany, if major influences in your career so far? There's been a few, probably too many to mention, really. I think for, on lots of fronts, on like a business side of things, on to just general well-being and inspirational characters, 
within business but outside as well I think just being around people that you can you can look up to and learn from I think you can learn from most people in some shape or form so luckily I've been surrounded by really good positive role models and today you're in the business with family yeah. So that is a different dynamic altogether. Yeah, definitely. Was so, that an intentional plan to set it up with the family? Yeah, we, we're we're a close family. We always have been, really, and that was a natural a natural move for us. So I guess our jump into full time working for ourselves full time was a progression from my dad and I had been investing in property together during our corporate careers, and that portfolio was at the point that we we knew we wanted to do property full time. So. When the business was set up, it was always, you know, going to be the four of us. So myself, my mum, my dad, my sister were all quite complimentary. So my dad's very, my dad is automotive, but comes from the after sales. He's a paddle beater. So he's, you know, very hands on. So when we set up the business, I would deal with everything what I would call front end. So sales, marketing, clients, et cetera. And my dad would deal with all of the project management on the ground, you know, management of the, the maintenance guys, et cetera. So we were complimentary from that point of view. Dad has been you know, massively influential throughout my life and my career, definitely. And he is always the one that will challenge me. Every time my dad and I have a conversation, I'll come away, we'll, we'll end up debating on lots of stuff. I'll always come away and go, right, he was right on that one, so I need to take that one on board, but he wasn't right on that one on that one, so I'll continue my own, own path from that perspective. By about probably three people, or there's three people in my life who have you know affected me in terms of my career. My first one really was my coach in America, so so Tim Mickelson, still influential. I'm meeting him next week, we talk all the time. So he had a big impact on my kind of sporting career and has continued to do so in my business career. And Peter, as we touched on, so, you know, those three people are still key to my career now, really, and, and hopefully will be going forward as well. I think there'll be a lot of people listening that are thinking, those are three very good mentors. I mean, I'm quite interested, you know, you how do you end up with three of the like, outstanding mentors? You must have stood out to them where they would choose to help you as well. Yeah, but possibly, like, I, I don't know, I would have said, taking Tim as an example, when I was looking at universities, and yes, that was a draw for me, obviously, at the time. Tim is Phil's brother. Caddy's fulfilled now, obviously, on the on the tour. I was going to say PGA tour now, but live tour, which looks like it's maybe live tour and PGA yeah. tour somehow in some in some shape or form. So obviously that was a natural attraction from the golf inside. But Tim and I got along straight away, and I think it's an interesting dynamic. I feel like with with Tim and with with Peter, there's an element there where they have both got family members who are in the limelight sort of degree and have kind of been and done it. And I feel like a lot of people, certainly with with Tim, where a lot of people meet him and their their first thing will be about Phil. Whereas we got along really well because just in terms of that relationship it was never was never about the kind of Phil connection and, and, and whatever else. And I think probably the same with Peter as well. As obviously his dad is one of the you know biggest entrepreneurs in the in the UK, Europe, certainly the the northeast. And again, there's some pressure to that with with both of those guys. And we kind of connected to a certain degree over that. And you know, I always saw both of those people as leaders in their own right, who were exceptional. It was never about the kind of their wider influence, etc. So don't want to put that in the in the right way. But certainly, I've seen those two relationships being very similar and both of them have ended up being you know fantastic mentors to me yeah that's great and it's a bit like what bethany just said is actually you can learn something from everyone Mm -hmm. and everybody does so it's it's taking all those learnings all together so bethany your business is all about well-being and 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 taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. How, how do you do that for yourself do you ever switch off uh, well, that's a big part of it, for sure. So it's quite a lot to it, really. But I think probably the main thing to think about is just making small steps. So if we think about, you know, January, for example, and a lot of people will sign up to gym membership and plan to go like five times a week or something that's not quite achievable. It's about what can you put into your daily routine that's going to help boost your well-being. This is on the sort of simplest level, but if there's one thing you could do a day, is just think of one thing that you could do on a daily basis that's going to help improve your well-being. So it could be, for example, you're going to put your phone down half an hour earlier this evening or find a way to switch off, recognise, so like literally recognise, take the time to recognise when you're stressed. Not, not enough of us do this. And then put a practice in place to make sure you can step away and come back feeling more refreshed. Lots, lots of tips. I've written a book on it. Mm-hmm. So... 
yeah, there's lots to it, but I think that would be my starting point. I've read your book, Bethany. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. I took quite a lot from that. So thank you for that. Okay. Uh, so how do you apply that to yourself? Again, it's come back to what I mentioned very early on in that it's having that self-awareness. And that's sort of, it's so important. Like it's really key because we're all so different. So how we how we react to certain situations or stress is going to be completely going to be different from person to person and then what helps us again is different from person to person so you initially need to have that self-awareness so i i mentioned as a former dancer how you you know your body you know signs and symptoms within your body so being able to recognize that initially and then put practices in place to make sure that i'm keeping well but also just having healthy habits in place it doesn't mean you can't have the odd chocolate bar i'm definitely uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> a one for chocolate mm-hmm. and things like that but it's just making sure that you're keeping yourself well so you know if you're going for a sporting activity or you've got a key event coming up, think how that sports person would be looking after themselves. It's the same with business. Mm-hmm. You need to be looking after yourself in order to perform at your best. I think that's good advice. And Dale, for you, is do you turn to the golf course when you want a bit of escape? I wish so. Not not enough. Not enough. Once upon a time I was done, but my two little ones take up most of my out of out of work time really. But I think for me it's interesting. So coming from a sports background, like fitness and regime was a big part of my life really right up until my 30s and then had two little ones and to be fair the last couple of years I've not been on it as much as I should have been in terms of my kind of health well-being and fitness and for me well, probably two months ago I kind of re tried to re-engage and, and, and motivate myself again from that fitness point of view so now I'm kind of getting some time out where I'm doing half an hour a day where that's just going for a run to the gym and I'm trying to look at it and go and view it almost a little bit task-based in the sense of there's no excuse that I can't do 20 minutes in the gym just in do what I need to do and get out but actually just doing that gives me that little mental break that break away from the phone or feeling like I've got to check my emails the biggest challenge I've had is that feeling like well, if I go to the gym for an hour then I've lost that productivity on the business side of thing. I think that's a, something I really struggle with is actually viewing that, well, no, that hour is invested in me. Actually, is going to have a positive impact. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to, but actually taking yeah. action on that is a really difficult thing. Well, Bethany's um, probably giving you a good no, totally like, like, round of applause for this yeah. because you're just actually applying what she's yeah, just totally. said. And carve out yeah, 20 yeah. minutes if you don't have yeah, an hour. Totally. Carve out a small yeah. amount of time yeah. and get into the routine yeah. and the consistency and yeah. regularity of yeah. that. No, exactly. It is routine 100%. And actually, then you're only doing little snippets of it. Then you, you kind of get over this hill where you then start to feel good from it. And then you, you kind of get, I'm a bit of an addictive personality, so you start to get addicted to it a little bit again and start to get back into that that momentum. But it is, it's those little little starting bits, yeah. you're 100% and right. And you do come back more productive because you're, your mind's fresher yeah. as well. So yeah. yeah, encourage everybody. Yeah. To carve out those twenty minutes, yeah. if you can. Yeah. Um, and and where where are you when you get your best ideas for the business? I'm guessing it's probably not sitting in front of a computer screen. Yeah, a lot of thinking in the car for me. I spend a lot of time in the car. I do a lot of thinking in the car. I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff in the car that for me then spur on those kind of thoughts and ideas. I can recommend yeah. a good podcast for you. Yeah. It's called A Cast yeah. of Entrepreneurs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Bethany? Where do you get your best ideas? Um, I, well, pre-COVID was generally doing travelling. So on a plane, times when you can really switch off, there'd just be an idea that would sort of ping. So I think, yeah, it shows the importance of switching off again. Since COVID, I have had a baby, so I do have a, a little one now, and it's a bit more difficult to do that travelling. But again, I think it's just when you're taking time away to really switch off and just clear the mind. Sometimes as well, it's in, like if I have this, if I go to bed and I and I sort of like have a dream or a thought, I'll wake up and I'm like, oh, okay, that's the solution to that. For me, it's when I when I'm taking time to sort of switch off. Are you someone who has a pen and paper next to their bed to capture those ideas? Yeah, I do now. Yeah, mm-hmm. because do you know what? If you don't do it quickly, it's forgotten. And then it takes me, like, sometimes I'll remember midday, like, I'll see something, mm-hmm. it'll remind me, or sometimes it's completely gone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, need to, need to have that. What do you do, John? If you have a spark of inspiration, do you write it down? I've probably got notes on my phone. I think these days that's my modern way of doing it. But uh, just picking up best ideas probably come from when I'm walking the dog uh, and weekends, actually. Sundays, for some bizarre reasons, it's the only time I sit down and read a physical newspaper, usually the Sunday Times with a cup of coffee. And there's often something in the business section or something I've seen will, will spark an idea. So, And I do feel the brain seems so much sharper when you've had a rest. 
it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've now done a lot of these interviews, a lot of these podcasts, and it's when people take breaks and are away from the business that the new ideas and the yeah. innovation flows. Yeah. So yeah. it just resonates that you, you need, it's really important that you do that. Yes, yeah. and I think you know, a good example is something as simple as our magazine, we have to proof. And if you're up very late at night, you're proofing it, and then you're looking again in the morning, oh, how do we miss that? It's because your brain's tired. Mm. And so I think the most mistakes I've made is when I've been tired. So it's interesting that you mentioned you've got a dog. Quite a few of the entrepreneurs we've interviewed have, have got dogs and presumably you get inspiration when you walk in the, your dog, John. Dale and Bethany, have you got dogs? I do. Yeah, dog called Derek. Derek. <laughs> <Good name>. Brilliant. <laughs> um, just no mine's a baby, so a baby. <laughs> baby will do for now. <laughs> Not quite as easy as a dog, but <laughs> fantastic. Is there any we're still talking inspiration? Are there any inspirational entrepreneurs from around the world that you admire or would choose to listen to their podcasts or read their books? It's really interesting. I'll, I'll just talk about books for a moment. And they're, they're quite old-fashioned, but I've learned quite a lot from Mark Mac Mark McCormack's books were in the 70s or 80s about business. It was a lot of good advice about how to conduct, how to present, how to conduct yourself, how to manage clients. But it's sort of fallen out of fashion now. He started something called IMG, International Management Group, which was the first ever agency for sports people. And his first client was a very famous golfer called Arnold Palmer. And he was the, a key person to making sports people well off because he negotiated all their rights. He was a lawyer by background. I would recommend if you... What they don't teach you at Harvard Business School, it's called, is one of them. And that and the other one about sales and presenting, I think, you know, probably the two books I remember the most. So remind me, what was the name of the guy? Mark McCormack. Mark McCormack. So it's sort of fallen out of fashion, really. But it's just simple. There's advice about how to prepare for presentations, how to sell, how to manage accounts, which obviously in our business is actually crucial. It's just a lot of very sensible advice. And do you think, even though that was from the 70s, do you think that all still stands today? Yes. Marketing principles are exactly the same, it's just the channels are different. Yeah. So I remember when websites came in, you know, I was a marketing director of a law firm at the time. They all got excited about a website. And we were a bit to disappointed. I said, yeah, it's really important, but it's another channel of marketing. Because they were like, let's just have a website. Mm -hmm. So marketing principles have never changed. It's just the routes to market are different. It's interesting, I think, because we're quite often always looking for the next new thing. But sometimes it's good to look back as well. Yeah, it's put simply, if you go back, let's go back 100 years ago, you had newspapers and posters, then your radio came in, then television came in. And obviously the biggest impact has been the internet, social media, etc. So all you have to do is you have to be more multi-channel now to reach the same people. Mm. So it's actually, it's harder, but the principles are the same. Um, and Bethany, is there anyone that you admire? So for me, I quite like like a, a boost of motivation. So I quite like listening to uh, like Tony Robbins or Stephen Bartlett. Or, do you know what? I just have a mix of people and depending on what mood I'm in, I'll just pop on a podcast to listen to them. And it just gives like a nice boost of motivation, like ready to kickstart the day or push forward into another project, that kind of thing. The same, I'm a definite podcast fan. So like my go-to has been since I think 2016, 2017, a guy called Andy Frizzella. The first podcast was the MFC. You know, his choice of words is uh, yeah, maybe not to everybody's taste, but he is he's, he's fantastic. He's very to the point and you know, talks about just that challenges of building a business entrepreneurship and ultimately it being just about not giving up. Ultimately, if you want to be successful and succeed, it's just about keeping on going. So he's always my go-to. But again, I listen to different things. But yeah, Andy Frizzell is my go-to. Good tips. I'm going to have to look those ones up yeah. because I haven't heard of either of those, mm -hmm. which is brilliant. In terms of being a role model yourself, because you were looking at other people as role models, but actually as a business owner, people will look up to you. What do you think is the responsibility or the obligations on existing entrepreneurs like yourselves to put themselves out there as role models to inspire others? For me, it's just about kind of being open and open and honest, kind of back to my last point there. The reason I like Andy Fazola on the podcast side is that he tells it kind of how it is and you can really relate to that. And I think for us as, you know, if we are seen as role models, it's being open, you know, I often ask on podcasts like this what questions you come to answer like I'm comfortable answering and talking about anything so I think we need we need to be if other people are going to get the experiences not by just coming on and telling a story that is the shy side of it when that isn't the 
the reality. So I think for us, it's about, you know, being open and honest, being willing to help people and, and kind of take them on that journey, really. I'm pleased um, you said that because I think it's easy for people to talk about themselves and their business when things are going well. Yeah, of course it is. You yeah. know, but things, as we know, don't always go well. And yeah. there's a lot of periods where it just goes flat. Yeah. But that's okay as well. Yeah. And we need to be honest about those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, definitely. So, so what would be your one piece of advice to any aspiring entrepreneurs that we've got listening for, for me it would be yeah. keep on going i think yeah. you know the one thing i heard early on and it's 100 true is the point that you feel like you're going to give up or you do give up you might be on the brink of yeah. something that's going to change the game i think it's just having that resilience that's the key thing it's being resilient and just keeping on going because if, if you do you you absolutely will yeah. get there and at the point you think no i'm quitting you just never know that next day could have been a life life changer yeah. Stephanie, what will you say to your daughter when she's 21 and thinking, Mum, I'm going to set up my own business? What would you say to her? Uh, yeah, so it's well, it's a little boy, actually. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> little boy. What would you say to him? Um, so I would, first of all, just want him to follow his passion. So really find out what he's passionate about. I wouldn't want him to go into anything that, you know, he's going to go to work every day and he's not going to be happy. We spend so much time at work and job we had so much of our work and lives so make sure that's something that he's really passionate about and then learning to trust just gut instinct so it's brilliant when you've got lots of people around you and lots of voices and things like that but knowing what's what's true to you and, and following that journey I feel it's really important I'd echo that I mean Churchill said never ever 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 give up and I think that's the best advice I give to, to anybody it is amazing when you just stick in there what suddenly appears and what suddenly happens just when you think it's not going to, it does. Um, so it's all about resilience yeah. and yeah, getting out of bed and just yeah. sticking with it, even if you've had a, a bad day the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Or just come back to something where you get stuck. Come back the next day. Yeah. Have your 20 minutes off, as Bethany said. Yeah. Recharge yeah. the brain yeah. and then go again. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just what Bethany said there in relation to Sundays. And we talked about school earlier on, I think. It's an interesting one. So Ryan, who's my People and Places director, and he's the... MD of Redcar Athletic Football Club and we're talking about schools and entrepreneurship so if you look at Redcar and Cleveland at the moment where, where we're based on a per capita basis we're 2,000 businesses short of what we should have just in that area because of a lack of entrepreneurship and one thing we've been talking about is when we're having conversations with kids in school what are we asking the question we tend to ask is what do you want to be and actually should the question be how would you want to feel when you're older and does that actually start to engage them with the right types of thoughts? Not, mm-hmm. well, I want to be a doctor or whatever else. Yeah. Well, how do you what how do you want to feel when you're because it comes back to that question, why are we entrepreneurs? Because you want the you want to feel that freedom to be able to go and do something else. And I think, you know, Ryan was absolutely right when he posed that question to me. And that's kind of our philosophy now with the work we're doing in schools in, in Red Car and Cleveland. I think it's perfectly ties back into what you said there, Method, in terms of what do you want from your kids or whether you want them to be happy and enjoy what they're doing. Yeah. So that's not necessarily come from I want to be this, but I want to feel this ultimately. Yeah, because you don't know where that's came from either, do you? So a lot of kids now they want to be YouTubers. Yeah, yeah. Where's that come from? Or if they want to be a doctor, where's that? Where has that actually come from? Yeah. Is that something that they actually really want to do, or is it an, an external influence? Yeah. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Well, people will mirror people they admire, don't they? And kids watch YouTube, yeah. so they will yeah. see YouTubers yeah. and yeah. see that as a potential yeah. career. Yeah. But do they see? business owners yeah. in their day-to-day life do yeah. they have those role models around them that they could say actually i get bethany mm-hmm. she's following her passion i want to follow my passion yeah. Yeah. and i think we have an obligation to showcase certainly at the entrepreneurs forum what people are doing in the region and show people that this is a you know something that they might want to think oh, about it's doing. really important because they can get back to school i think there should be classes on entrepreneurship and how businesses build up I'd go further and say the way maths is taught and uh, is doesn't work for me at all. It was never relatable. I've never yet needed to bisect a triangle. Uh, <laughs> uh, since I was at school, I really like to have been trying to understand what a cancer, how what a balance sheet might be at an earlier age. Why you need why numbers are important. The most interest I got in numbers was working out f- uh, football statistics as a kid. And, thought, and then somebody said, oh, that's statistics. Yeah. Oh, really? Is it? Yeah. And I think it's making stuff relatable. It's, I don't think it happens enough. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, we're coming towards the end of this chat, and I can't believe again every time I say this, but time absolutely flies when we're talking. And as we come to the end, we're going to go forwards in time. And we're going to, I mean, it's quite a long time for you, Dale, um, but we're going to go up to when you're 70. 
And we've already come to the conclusion that entrepreneurs don't ever really retire. So sorry, you guys, that's off the cards. Um, but at your 70th birthday party, imagine you're somewhere perhaps in one of Dale's holiday homes, overlooking <laughs> the beautiful <laughs> Bay of Saltburn. He's got a very nice one there, the first one, I think. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So we're all at Dale's house um, at his party. What are your guests going to be saying about your life at that time? Just I'd had an impact, I think, really. I think, you know, I suppose legacy is a, a, a big word to use, but ultimately for me, it's about, you know, what legacy can you leave, whether that be the family to have had an impact on the area, I think, to echo John's point earlier for me, massively passionate about the Northeast to be able to, to leave a legacy in this area of having an impact would be, yeah, that would be it for me. Can you imagine if they said we're not 2,000 businesses behind in no, Redcar exactly, and Cleveland? Yeah, exactly. That yeah. would be incredible, yeah, wouldn't it? absolutely. So you need to get out there and start promoting yep. being an entrepreneur. Yep. Brilliant. How about you, Bethany? Um, Is it going to be dancers at your party? <laughs> oh, God, yeah, everyone will be dancing. <laughs> but yeah, it's probably no surprise, but very similar, really. Just having, have make sure that that impact's being created. And the first, so the first business that I set up is 15 years this year. And the, the leaders that are coming through the business actually started dancing there when they were just mm. aged and 10 years old. So I can see that going on way beyond me and what I'm doing, which is amazing to think. So if that's still going and creating lots of impact in the Northeast, that'll be great. And whatever else has been happening along the way. And John, I, I'm i going to change the question slightly right. for you. So yours is going to be a written piece in Northeast Times, <laughs> which is also going to be replicated in Northwest Times and Southwest <laughs> Times and however the empire expands over time. Um, when, when your friends are asked to write quotes in your article about you, along with the lovely pictures, um, what will they be saying? I think I'd like them to say he really made a difference to promote in the northeast first. Point A, he brought business people together. Point B, and he's good fun. Point C. <laughs> oh, brilliant! I think the future is bright, and the future for the northeast is bright. So, thank you very much for your time today oh, and for you. your tips. And Bethany, I'm off to spend my twenty minutes walking back to the office and refreshing. So, <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Tune in next time for another exciting cast of entrepreneurs.